This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. I have a very exciting show for you today. These are the ones I love doing. I have a student of mine, somebody who's been following this channel for quite a while. He had faith enough to take the $200 course. He's already expended work in the course, which again, obviously is important to me. And now he's like, hey, I need to fine tune this. I need to move forward. Can you help me? And of course, my answer is, well... If you're willing to be recorded in a Zoom call, I will answer all of your questions so I can help everybody else. So let's welcome Matt to the show. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Why don't you introduce the audience to the world? Who is Matt? Where you fit in this? What you're doing? All that stuff. And we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, you kind of you led with it, right? So um, I hopped into this, this world of real estate investing, uh, kind of found you by accident. I don't know how you showed up in the YouTube algorithm, but it was beautiful timing. Um, and so I think what I loved about your message was kind of just keeping it simple, keeping it focused and learning the market. Right. And so I kept watching your content, picking up on things. And I finally said, look, I get the big picture. Now, how do I get down to the minutia? Right. And that's when I decided to hop into your course because I really did want to focus. Right. I, I wanted to see what other people don't see in the market. And I thought it was best to, to really focus in on that. So. Awesome. Well, that's a big part of the course. And as you've seen, already started jumping in, it, it smacks you right away in step one, right? I'm not a big fluff guy. I'm not a big old mindset and all that stuff. That stuff's in there, but it's later. I come right out of the gate and I do that to test you because I know, I know my superpower and I didn't appreciate it for years. My superpower is once I get focused, I can repeat like nobody's business, hence right. daily videos. Uh, but that was a real strength of mine in learning my market. I never lived in Fresno. I didn't know one in Fresno. You just have to start with that focus and expand. So uh, as you got into the course, what were your kind of first thoughts? And then we'll get into all your questions. Um, really just the, the content itself. So it's as advertised, right? I mean, like you said, you hop in from module number one and we're learning our market, right? So it, it, it's funny we talk about focus because the course is very focused, right? Oh, like, yeah. So when you when you spend the money right understand what you're getting into you want people to work you want them to dig in from from ground up right yeah and and the amazing part is when you do that that's the point i reached out to you and then you were immediately responsive and you're like yeah uh, apparently this guy's doing the work Let, let's talk about it you know and so uh, so yeah the the course is as advertised you expect people to buy it when they want to go to the next level and get focused and you ask them to do that from the very first step. Yep. And again, let's just make that last point clear and we'll turn it over to you, Matt. If you buy the course and do the work, I am here for you. If you simply buy the course and then you call me up and it's like, Hey, give me the easy button, do this or do that. I'm not going to respond. Right. Cause we're not going to be talking the same language. The course has the language. It has my mindset. It has everything I still do today. It's the people don't get it. What is in the course is what I do today. It's what I did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. It is what I do five years into the future. It's that simple. So with that, Matt, I know you came with a list of questions and I'm an open book. Ask anything you want. This is for you. So, okay. So I, I kind of, I thought about how I was going to ask the questions, but I want to start where your course starts, right? So okay. when you say learn your market, 
mm-hmm. can, for just a, a few minutes, can you kind of deep dive that? Like, what does that mean to you? Like, once you survey the landscape, right, mm-hmm. where do you go after that to really learn your market? Yeah. So what I mean by that is really to get focused. What, what my real goal for anyone taking this, and again, I'm trying to talk to the person that has interest, but doesn't know where to go. So for me, learning a market starts with a search criteria, right? I.e. zip code, single family home size is an example that's in the course that gets you a active listing of somewhere between 20 and 40. I want that active listing to be that size so you can see it evolve. If your focus is too small, too tight, and you've only got four or five listings, you've got to expand it, drop one of the variables. Because with four or five active listings, you're not going to see the change that I'm hoping you see over 30, 45, 60 days. And if, God forbid, your listing is 120 deep, it's just too much, right? If you're getting 120 active listings and you're in day one, day five, day 10 of my course, stop. Go refine your search. Because while you have all the energy in the world in the beginning, I promise you by day 15 or day 21 or day 29, looking at 120 properties and recording all the changes will crush your spirit. It's just too hard. So again, for me, learning the market starts with a tight focus, somewhere between 20 and 40 active listings, because that's enough we can all get through in about 20 minutes. I want to give you 20 minutes of work every day, and that's it. 20 minutes, done, move on. Because we all have busy lives. You have a job and we have a family. I mean, I was there, right? I was in three different continents or three different cities. I was raising a daughter. I had to keep my wife happy and I tried to stay healthy and all this other shit. I mean, I didn't have any time. So 20 minutes, daily execution, daily movement, 1% better every day. That's my goal. And so does that include um, like learning about the rents in your market and learning. And I know in your course, we get into building out your team, right? Mm-hmm. But does that learning your market include, okay, what does this area rent for? What does that area rent for? Um, who are the good property managers? Like, is that part of learning your market? That well? is absolutely part of learning your market, but that is that evolves later in the course. When I talk about step one, day one, it is that search criteria because that's where most people fall down, right? They're either doing too much or too little. We get to the bigger parts of building your team and looking at property managers and all that at like step four or step five. In the beginning, step one is basically you want to get a saved search in Realtor or Redfin or Zillow or whatever your platform is. And you want to pound that every day. So to, to kind of speak to that focus, if I can kind of kind of plug the awesomeness of the focus, something I picked up on within two days. Okay. So I started off with three bedroom, two bath, right? That's the home size I want to target. Um, I can kind of get into that later if we want to talk about it. But I noticed, hey, look, there's 60, 70 listings for that. If you go look at two bedroom, two bath, there are about eight listings, right? And so I immediately found out the market for two bedroom, two bath is just not that deep in my area. There you go. Exactly. I would have never seen otherwise. Perfect. You're learning already. And that's day two. Just wait. The, the real magic of this first step is you really got to get, usually for most people, you got to get by like day 15. Because the first week to 10 days, you're like, what the hell is Michael talking about? He's a freaking idiot. It's uncomfortable, right? Because you're recording things and then you're seeing things change. But right around day 15, maybe day 25, depending on how fast your market moves, you start to have these aha moments. And what you just had with that two bedroom, two bath, you're going to have, I mean, the aha moments start popping. And it's, it's just, it's so fun to watch because I can see it on people's faces when they start to get their market. And, and I'll tell you the, the other per- portion of your course that I love with the learn the market 
if you look at bigger pockets and, and all the other YouTube, you know, brain trusts out there, right? They want you to focus on kind of one deal at a time, like analyze this property, analyze that property. The way you teach, you get the whole landscape laid out in front of you, right? And so you're really looking at 40 different properties at once. And the way they teach it, you can never learn your market because it's one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. You don't see the big picture. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people in this, you know, real estate education or whatever they're doing, I mean, they're not practitioners. They've never learned a market they live in. I, I'm sharing the exact steps I, you used to learn a market I never lived in. I've never lived in Fresno. I didn't know one. I drove through it one time on my 13th birthday to go to Yosemite. That's the extent I knew of Fresno, right? The freeways. That was it. Um, so I have to give you what I, what I do. And again, 20 minutes a day, every day, just 1% better. And man, by day 20, 25, uh, I'm going to be excited to see what you tell me in a few weeks. For sure. And, and no worries on my part, right? I'm committed a thousand percent. I hope you've seen that. That's why we're yeah. talking today. So That's why I said, yes, I, I, <laughs> I will definitely be checking back in. Cool. Um, with that said, can we talk a little bit about my findings? Is that cool? Yeah, this is for you, wherever you want to go. Awesome. Okay. So um, I kind of want your take on what I'm seeing with yields, right? Okay. So my spreadsheet that, that, you know, I sent over for you to mm -hmm. take a look at, um, it's probably got 40 to, to 60 properties, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to be narrowed down a little bit. Out of those 40 to 60, um, let, let's say 75%, more than that, 80, 90% are negative yields. Yeah. Is that pretty common in your experience? You have just learned what a bad deal is. You, as you know, alligators are bad things. And again, people, 90, 95% of what's on the market are bad deals. You got to remember your number one competitor is an owner occupant. They don't have the same yield criteria. They're not making the same decisions we are. What you just found there is awesome. It's awesome. And you need to carry that going forward. Every, I mean, not, I mean, 2010 is an exception, right? Because in 2010, everything was a deal. But yes, no, that is exactly what you should find. And now when you get really good at it, what you can, I mean, this is the mental game you can play once you get there, probably three, four, maybe five weeks from now, you could go to all of those negative cash flow deals and go, just curious, what would, what could I pay to make this a average deal? And let's just say you found average was 6%. Because when the market changes, and I promise you it will, right? Today is unusual. 20 years, I've never seen it like this. Maybe it's next summer you'll be able to compete with owner occupants and you'll be able to say, you know what? I see this has been listing for 30 days and no, there's no offers. While it's listed at whatever it is, 220, I can offer to pay 185 and hit my measure. Well, great. Maybe you send in an offer at 180. So you have one negotiation place. So when this really comes in is you'll be able to know what you can offer on any property. And most of the time it'll be less than asking. So you get a positive yield. So I, I, I love like, uh, I watched one of your videos and, and a person you interviewed said there's always nuggets of, of information when you replay the course, but there was one that you just provided. I hope everyone heard it, right? Um, and that was you're competing against owner occupants. I've never thought about that, right? We're not on the same playing field, right? So their negative yields, they're looking at it from, does this house fit our lifestyle? We're looking at it from, is this a good investment, right? And totally so- different. yep. And so it's a, a totally different playing field. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Cool. Um, okay. So one of my big questions around the negative yields is um, the CapEx, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about repairs and vacancies. Do you also have a line item for CapEx as well? 
Yeah, so typically in my model, I capture most of the CapEx in the make ready in the beginning. Because again, that's where I want to, because for me, it's about, am I buying a turnkey unit, meaning make ready is zero, or am I buying a junker that needs 10 or 20 grand? Because what I want you to calculate the yield on as, as the perfect asset, right? As an asset that's already been repaired. Because then what you will do in the spreadsheet, it's in the expense column, is you can set a little reserve. Is it 50 bucks? Is it 100 bucks? But you don't have to go, hey, I got to spend eight grand on an AC or whatever, because that is already in the calculation of the make ready, right? So what I, I want get, you to do is reserve weekly or reserve monthly. So, and, and I guess you could kind of take that on case by case in the sense of if you buy a property with a new AC or a brand new roof, then you don't have to factor that into that CapEx, right? Exactly. Yep, yep. Exactly right. So, so when you factor um, the repair value, let's say it's $5,000 to get this to a perfect asset. Yep. And then let's say you have a fully loaded CapEx cost, right? You're kind of double dipping in that regard. Yeah, that's why I do. So for me, again, that in that example, the five grand goes in the make ready, right? It's part of year one calculations. You want to see how hard your money is working. Then in the expense column, I just want you to set aside 50, 75. I don't know your market, but I want you to have a little bit of a reserve. But sure. sometimes people talk about, oh, you got to put like 300 bucks away. You don't have to do that. You've already taken care of the mechanicals. The roof has useful life on it. You've already done the big stuff, right? So yes, have a reserve. So you're, you know, it's not zero, but it shouldn't be thousands either if you take care of it up front. And that's a lesson I learned, right? I bought junk in the beginning and didn't appreciate my cash. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you kind of fine tune that repair estimate, right? Like that, um, yeah, that, that will so come in step four, step three or four of the course when you start getting out, kicking rocks with general contractors, right? Property managers can give you some rough numbers. It will come when you start building out your team. In the beginning, just do A, B, and C, right? I forget, like A is turnkey zero. B is, hey, it's livable, but I should touch it up. Maybe it's 10 grand. And then C is it's a complete fixer. It needs, you know, 25 or 30. Don't overthink it in the beginning. That will be, that will come with time and experience, don't rush that, right? That seems important, but in the beginning, if you spend too much time on it, you won't get anywhere. So in the beginning, day one through 30, A, B, and C is enough, just like we talk about in the course. And just know, you know, you'll get better later. Okay, okay. So kind of hopping back on yield, I don't mean to keep jumping around no. on you. Um, you. So how do you figure out what is bad, average, good, and great, right? Because you kind of want to break into, I guess, quartiles, like yep. to understand the playing field. Yeah. You so, just look at the whole market and say, this is what average is? Yeah. So what will happen once you get to like day 30 and you're getting there? You, so first off, anything with a negative number is bad, just for everybody watching, anybody in the course. But then it comes to what is average, good, and great. Uh, and that will vary by areas and by your asset and your focus. What will likely happen is you will start to see um, bunches. And again, it will be just like this. So again, everything negative is bad. Then what you'll see is 80% of what is left will be jump, will be around 2.5, be around 3.2, right? It won't be perfect, but you will, it'll just jump off the page, right? And then the other 20% will either be good or great. It's really the 80-20 rule. 80% will jump off the page as good or as average. And then you'll go on and, and you'll look at, all right, well, there seems to be this, this next threshold, and that will be good. And then you may see one or two outliers, which would be great. Really, again, it's not about good or great yet early in the course, because 
you may have errors in your calculation that you don't appreciate yet. The make ready was off by a couple of grand or whatever. Really the first 30 days is finding average because anytime you know average, you have an unfair advantage. Because back to our early conversation is you can start writing offers that make average good, right? That's the magic. The, the power so, in the beginning is average. So that was kind of one of my next questions for you. So you, you find average, right? And let's say hypothetical, yeah. average is 2%, sure. right? Let's say you find a property at a 1% yield, maybe even zero, yep. right? Or right at that 2%. Mm-hmm. Is that when you would kind of get creative with your offers and try to offer less to get it to like, let's say five, six, 7% yield? Uh, well, there'll be, there'll, there will be a disproportionate amount of properties at that zero or to 2% in this example. So if I wanted it, yes, I would, I don't average, my offers aren't average deals. Every offer I write is either good or great. And right. to be clear, I've written a hundred offers this year and gotten nothing wow. because owner occupants are dominating. I promise you, it won't be like that always. We are going to see a change next year. That's why taking the course now in this market is very helpful because you'll see an in crazy frenzy and you'll be so much better off next year when things adjust. So so I have one agent, right, that I picked up on and it was more just to learn the market, right? Yep. It was to Because what you ask, even in your hard 75 challenge, right, is make a contact every day, yeah. right? That's what I've, I've tried to do. I'm really trying to live your tutelage, right? Because I I think you speak from a really humble, great perspective. So I'm living it every day. So um, one of her comments to me initially was, I I found a house that I thought was decent. I wanted to look at She said it was off the market in four hours. (laughs) Yes. Back to the point. Again, I can't stress enough. This is the hardest year to be a new investor. But what, what people need to realize is this year is permission to learn you're learning something every day and you should feel good about that. I would tell you the biggest mistake in the world and people are making it every day is an investor gets in this market and they overpay, right? They get in a bidding war, they let ego, they let the money in their bank go, oh my God, this it's, inflation is eating in, I'm getting no interest. No, stop. You, do, you, you are only gonna do so many transactions in your year, in your lifetime. Make sure they're all good and great. Don't be in a rush. I mean, I have seen people on paper write good offers and then they get in a bidding war and the son of a gun is negative cash flow when they're done. I mean, that's not my tutelage. I don't give a shit how many units you have. It's how much cash flow. That's cash flow is what affords you to retire. Right. It's not unit count. So it's, it's almost like the saying, you never go broke taking a profit, right? So if you just stack up great deals, that's it. It's what, one a year, two a year, or maybe it's 10 a year. If you stack great deals, you always get ahead, right? Is that kind of the theory? Amen. I, I may put that on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> so, but you know, that was one of the things that I, I kind of learned from just living the course, right? Like taking it one step at a time and, and learning the market was the first thing the realtor told me is how fast everything's flying off the market. And, and so um, it, it's made it very interesting. And so kind of what I've settled back into is something that I hear on all your videos, and that is take the time to learn, right? If you spend the next three to six months learning, then it's beautiful, right? Don't rush it is kind of what I, I pull. Is, you think that's pretty good? Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, the, this is, again, the, the next 90 days are likely to be the worst time to be an investor because there's no inventory. There are markets with less than a month's supply. You can't find deals on market with a less than month's supply. It just can't. It will not always be like this. Trust me. 
I've been doing this 20 years. I have never seen a market that is 90% owner occupant. It's usually 60-40 and we will get back to 60-40. I promise. It's just so weird right now. So, so in that, in that situation, will we see if you're keeping track of your market, like we're doing, right? We're tracking it. You'll see those yields start to kind of shift over time. No, the first thing you're going to see is listings go up. Step okay. one is listings inventory. Like your list today, maybe 25 deep February 18th of next year, you're going to see a jump and I'm just making the data. It'll go from 25 to 32 and 32 to 39 listings will go up a step one days on market will extend today. 15 hottest markets video. There are markets with eight days. You can't find a deal with eight days on market. Eight, the days on market will extend. Then you will see price drops. Then you will see flexibility. So it will be a set of dominoes. Domino number one, listing growth. Okay. okay. And again, you will, you will only, again, the important thing of the course, you will only see that if you look every day. Yeah. So absolutely. So before I took your course, right, before I made the, the plunge, I was living your YouTube videos, trying to learn the market. Right. And it was it was uh, two days. Then I'd fall off a few days. Then I'd take <laughs> here, right? So it was like this ebb and flow of checking it. And, and like I could memorize some of the things I was seeing, but I could not see all the subtle changes. Oh, you know? it's the subtleties. It's it's the inflection points. You make your money at the inflection points. Yes. And, and now when I, when I run it, which is you're, you're being completely honest again, it's, it's 10, it's 20 minutes, right? Run your search criteria and you've done it so many times that I just scroll through and I'm like, it's still on the mark. Yep. And it's, you know, and I just, I just scroll through. So yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Absolutely. I'm happy. Makes me happy. Okay. So I got another yield question for you, right? Mm -hmm. So um, before I found your channel, right, there's, there's a few others that I follow as well, but to me, I felt like yours had the most consistent, concise message. Okay. They preach, I mean, you can take any of them and they're preaching 15% yields. They make you feel like you're not a real estate investor if you're not getting 15% yields. I heard one preach 29% yields. So just your perspective on double digit yields. And if you get, let's say you get an 8% yield yeah. in your market, if that's great, is that okay? Well, so there's really two questions there. We'll, we'll, we'll hit the, um, the sexy double-digit wild 29% yields. Uh, are those possible? Yes, but so is catching lightning in a bottle. Um, I propose and have seen many people go broke buying high yield. High yield lives in a spreadsheet. High yield doesn't take into account real life. Uh, I've been doing this long enough to know that high yield usually takes you to worse areas, more um, high maintenance tenants, uh, less quality of life. Because again, a lot of people that follow me have busy day jobs and they don't want the heavy lift and heavy management of dealing with that part of town or that part of that clientele. It is not what most people sign up for. And it's actually what burns out most landlords. Most landlords see something on YouTube or Instagram and they go, oh my God, I'm going to buy a 25% yield. I'm a genius. I am the next Sam Zell or Warren Buffett. I'm like, no, you just lost a shit ton of money. Because I promise you, this is what the arrogance of that statement is. I like, let's, I mean, uh, let's just pick Detroit because I've seen those Detroit videos. I promise you, if there's a 25% deal in Detroit that's legit, there are hundreds of quality investors in Detroit. That thing would be gone in seven seconds if it's legit. 
It's not. It's been on them. If you find a listing that promises 20% return and it's been on the market more than a week, there's some hair on that deal. It's not real. These people preaching high returns are borderline dishonest. And um, there's, there's a big difference between reality and spreadsheets. And I'm never going to talk spreadsheets. I've been doing this 20 years. I've bought everything you can see in the city. And uh, I would much rather, I would much rather take a safe, solid seven or eight return than the headaches of trying to fight for 15. And then when I file my taxes, realize it's negative 15. So, yeah, and, you know, when I kind of jumped into real estate investing, quote unquote, yeah. I, my first thought is I'm a spreadsheet guy, right? You need to tell me there's math, there's spreadsheets. I can build models, right? And then when I picked up on your channel, I realized there's some nuances here. It's just not about spreadsheets, right? If yeah, it was about true. numbers and spreadsheets, it, everybody could find the deals, right? There's other things in the equation. So true. I mean, I wasted five years. I mean, the fact that you got this that early, phew, I'm so happy. I wasted five years. I thought the magic was in a spreadsheet. I mean, at one time, uh, I think my spreadsheet had three or four worksheets. It was all intertwined. I was calculating all kinds of nonsense. Nope. It's how much cash in, how much cash out. It's that simple. It's, it's all that matters. It's the only thing that matters. I always get asked all the time, what are your metrics? And I don't know how many times I can say it, folks. The only thing I look at is yield. That, uh, yield allows me to compare a small house with a 20-unit building. And I will buy the house every time if it's a higher yield. And that drives people crazy. Grant Cardone says bigger is better. Why are you an idiot? Why are you thinking small? I'm like, motherfucker, I am buying a higher yield and I don't care about unit count. You can go broke with unit count. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if it's not cash flowing, if it's not yielding right at the end of the year, then you're going to go broke. It doesn't matter if there's a hundred units or just one. Exactly right. right. Yep. Actually, it may magnify your losses. Yeah, yeah, believe me, it will. That oh, debt's expensive. Well, okay, so kind of going back, well, I guess trying to tie it all in together, learning your marketing yield. When do you look at the data in the spreadsheet that you've created for learning your market and just say, this is a bad market? Like this, I'm not going to find deals here. Or would you say there's always deals somewhere? Well, so I, so I don't think there are any bad markets. I really don't. Uh, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I wouldn't invest in San Francisco or Manhattan today. I think there are unique challenges today that make that bad. But five years from now, I think San Francisco and New York might be the best markets ever. Um, but I don't really think there are bad markets. I think you make market decisions based on who you are, right? Do you want to go vacation there? And then thus every trip is a write-off. Uh, do you have family there? So you have trusted boots on the ground. Um, do, are you not comfortable flying uh, like I was, thus have to drive? Um, you make personal decisions. I really don't believe there's any bad markets, right? If you are in a market and let's just say average was 2%, well, if that's the market you want to be in, go earn 4%. You're doubling the average deal, right? Could you, you know, if that's you, be okay with that. I am not here to judge you. If, if you are learn, if you do what I do, you find averages two and you, and you create fours, I want to congratulate you. Just like the people that find averages eight and they do 12s. Both have done the work. Both are doing great deals in their market. And I want to applaud either person. Because I guess we've taken the number out of the equation. The goal is great deals, right? It's well, the goal is understanding average and then doing great deals. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So one of the things you talked about making a hundred offers, right? You said this year you've made a hundred offers. So 
kind of, okay, all right, all right. I, I keep digging in my bag of tricks in your course, right? So I think one of the things, well, it's actually your, your hard 75 challenge, I think. One of the things you say is there's going to be a part that you're uncomfortable with, right? You're going to learn the part you're uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. One of the parts I'm uncomfortable with is asking a, a real estate agent, the one that I currently have, maybe I get others, right? Um, to write offers because I'm scared they'll judge me, right? I'm scared they'll be like, I'm not going to write that stupid offer. It's not going to work, you know? So what yeah. are your thoughts on writing, asking an agent to write a bunch of offers, even if, you know, they're perceived to be lower than the market? So there's, so there's two, two answers there. First, in the beginning, one of the things I would want to do with an agent if I want them on my team long-term is, is I, don't, I don't know if, uh, if you can take them out, take them out, have coffee and have a talk and tell them what you're looking for and educate them on what you're looking good and great deals are. So when you send them uh, an email that says, I want an offer on 123 Main Street, it's asking this, I have to offer this, remember what my return is. They'll know why it's coming, right? And if you can't take them out because it's out of state, have a phone conversation. But it is your job to communicate to them what you think a great deal is. That way they are not shocked when your offer comes in low. So they know when you send them a deal, it's not some harebrained scheme. No, it it's the math. Matt identified this as a great offer. That's why he's asking me to do this. Yeah, but it is your job to meet with them earlier, right? So that's step one. And I would, I would save that exercise for the agents that you, you gel with, you click with, right? Do the extra work. But there's some agents you're gonna you're gonna talk to you like oh you know oil and water don't agree then don't don't do that. Right. The second thing is in the beginning, right? If like if you're learning a new market but you find something you think is cool, always and you and you don't have that agent yet or you haven't had that conversation and you're worried about it, call the listing agent. The listing agent will take your phone call, and they will be honest, right? Because again, they will potentially double in the commission, right? So there's nobody on the planet that's more motivated to get you a yes answer than the listing agent. Gotcha. They may tell you, hey, sorry, buddy, I've already got seven offers all are over asking. How many times I heard that this year? It just happens. This market's weird, but it won't always be that way. So those are my two pieces of advice. Okay, okay. Um, man, I'm almost out of questions, right? Uh, awesome. I'm, I'm open for you to pick my brain. Maybe I come up with questions, I don't know, but one of, one of the last ones I had for you was about roof stock. So sure. I've heard talk about roof stock on some of your previous uh, episodes. I just want your, your take on it, you know, like, yeah. Are, are they good to work with or do you believe it in that kind of platform? So I, so let's, so for folks that don't know what Roofstock is, I'll summarize what I have learned. Uh, so Roofstock appears to be a platform that does due diligence on turnkey providers and then provides a website for people, which is a step in the right direction. But I would never, ever, take responsibility away from you, the investor, to check that turnkey provider. I think there are lots of sharks or dragons or whatever the imagery you want uh, with turnkey providers. Turnkey providers absolutely provide a great service. Roofstock provides a great service as the platform, but your job as an investor is to vet the turnkey provider first, vet the market second, and the deal last. Too many people look at the deal first, the city next and the provider last. And that is a recipe for disaster. But I like so, what Roofstock's doing. I like the fact that they're taking some of the due diligence. They're holding people to quality controls. They send their employees out to do some vetting, but that doesn't take away from your vetting of a provider. 
and then and then still like you said to learn the market right so it, their houses in these markets you still have to learn that like the market you're currently analyzing yeah right? you, um yes i mean there i mean just i think roofstock provides a great service for busy employees but you shouldn't you shouldn't write offers until you've done the work until you can tell me what an average deal is you don't have the right i don't give you permission to write an offer you're just gambling you're walking up you're picking a number on the roulette wheel it might pay off. It might not. It, it, the, the reason I asked, so when I saw Roofstock, right, on, on your YouTube channel, I went, did my due diligence on it, checked it out, and found out that there's actually uh, a couple of the markets that they have properties in are about an hour from me. So it kind of yeah. makes me your Fresno story, yeah. right? Um, and I was like, well, if I can learn that market, of course, I'm busy learning this one. Yeah. But if I can learn that market, that could be an option for me down the road. You know? no, absolutely. Yeah. And again, what you're, what I'm trying to teach you is a skill. I think it's a golf swing, right? The first time I picked a, a golf club was, I was like 20 something, right? So I, it was the most unnatural thing, but you know what? You go on the driving range, you swing the club enough times, you get a little bit better. And then you get a little coaching and you know, you can take the golf swing anywhere. So don't get distracted, stay in your lane, learn your market. And once you get, once you have that aha moment, that's like, this is average, this is good or great. You've got the skill and you could take what you've just done anywhere else in the country frankly, anywhere else in the world. That's a skill that we'll, we'll, you'll have for 50 years. And maybe that's why your story resonates me. I'm, I'm a golfer as well. And I tell you what, actually, I went to Top Golf a, a few weeks ago and was crushing golf balls. I've been playing <laughs> golf for 20, 30 years at this point, right? And, um, and, and my girlfriend asked me, like, how, how can you do that? You've never even played here. I'm like, if you know how to swing a golf club, <laughs> if you know the mechanics, it doesn't matter. What doesn't golf matter where you are. Exactly. It doesn't matter where you are you can replicate it over and over again. That's all I'm giving you. I'm giving you a golf swing. It just happens to be how to learn your market. You've answered everything for me. You, you've been excellent. You, you really put a lot more perspective on the stuff that I'm already following you on, that awesome. all the focus that I've put into the course and that you've asked students to put into the course. So cool. Well, do me a favor, Matt, reach out to me in about 30 days or so. You're probably going to have a moment in three or four, maybe five weeks that it's like, I get it. Let's have you back. Um, I love how we do this and interact. Well, you'll have a whole new set of questions and hopefully we'll inspire some other people to do the work. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And thank you for having me on and, and thank you for the course. I know I ended up paying for it, but it, the focus, it, I feel so much more confident in what I'm trying to do and the road awesome. I'm trying to walk because of the focus, right? And, and I appreciate what hey, you Hey, 200 bucks, it, it's well worth it. <laughs> and, and I appreciate all the free content that you put out on YouTube every day. It's been incredible. So thank you for doing that. You got it, buddy. Have a, have a wonderful weekend, all right? Absolutely. You as well. Thanks.